Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Wine and Chills Paranormal Podcast. We are your hosts, Amanda. And Emily. And this week, we will be bringing you the Grimm fairy tales from the Grimm brothers, or the Brothers Grimm, yes. as well, they're also known. Ah, <laughs> oh, I love the Brothers Grimm. Like, I do, too. Even love the TV show Grimm. Kind of sad it went off the air. <laughs> I started watching that show, and then I don't remember why I stopped. But I do like the movie with Heath Ledger and um, what's his face. Now I can't remember the other actor's name. Do you know which one? Matt Damon? Is it Matt Damon? I can't remember, but I do like that movie. That it's like totally movie. not even true, but like I love it. <laughs> yeah. so. I mean, who's to know? Maybe the Brothers Grimm were out there fighting supernatural beings, and that's why they wrote about yeah. them. You never know. <laughs> So we skipped last week. We're we're kind of in a hectic point in our life right now. So we are definitely trying to get an episode out every week. But there are probably going to be some weeks we're going to have to skip. M has her sister's wedding. We both have my wedding coming up. There's going to be Thanksgiving. My birthday. There, there's a lot. A lot coming up. <laughs> in the next few months so just bear with us if we're gone a week we promise we will be back oh yes exciting times and it's also football season oh (laughs) that that's all in (laughs) (laughs) i'm like what's football (laughs) you're like is that the thing you throw in the air and someone catches it is that what that the only thing i know about (laughs) football is friday night lights that that's it the television show that's where i learned all my football from and it's not very much (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm a fan of the college footballs, you know. That's funny. So (laughs) what are you drinking this lovely morning, Em? I'm calling you out if you're drinking anything alcoholic because I just said it's morning. Oh, no, I I make coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Which we all don't care because I have drank plenty of alcohol in the morning before, so I have no judgment. I am also (laughs) having coffee with pumpkin spice creamer. I'm getting in the fall mood. Yeah, so, like, I have no coffee decor creamer, so I'm just like, yeah, coffee it is. Just coffee. Still recovering (laughs) from last night. (laughs) Yeah, so our initial plan was we went to a local Oktoberfest, and we figured it's German. Why don't we do a German theme? And as the Brothers Grimm are German, we were like, we'll totally, I have a book that has pretty much all of their stories in it, and we were just going to read from that last night. Well, couple beers down and that ended up not happening (laughs) but we did have a lot of fun yeah (laughs) we almost turned into a true crime podcast because i was about to murder my fiance it was great it was good times (laughs) i've been like i don't know where the body is like (laughs) i've been like i've been drinking i can't see straight what you're talking about (laughs) Uh, all out of jokes all out of jokes like we're, we're not going to really murder or hide bodies, we promise. No. It was funny. <laughs> uh, so, you have a brief introduction for the for the Brothers Grimm, right, Em? Yes. Okay. So, from what I learned with the Brothers Grimm, they didn't actually write the fairy tales. In fact, the stories that existed long before the two were ever even born, which was in the 1780s, which was a long time ago. Yeah. But the- <laughs> But the tales were part of, like, a rich oral tradition that was passed down from generation to generation. And the brothers went on a quest to preserve all the stories from extinction. So they traveled all around the country collecting all the tales. And with them, they ended up writing them down. And eventually they published the stories as part of a collection called the Nursery and Household Tales. Or what now is referred to as the Grimm's Fairy Tales. Okay. And these stories were not intended for kids. Yeah, so Disney really (laughs) stepped in and took a lot of these and made them their own, such as Cinderella and a few that we are going to be reading today, Rapunzel and Snow White. Um, These have very exactly grim endings and grim middles in these. So they are definitely not the Disney versions that everyone is so used to hearing when they think of these names and these stories. Oh, yes. And then we're also going to be reading two stories that are not the popular Grimm tales. Yes. Uh, like, we just kind of picked a number and we just kind of chose 
And yes. so I've never read the ones that I'm going to read. It would be uh, brand new for you. Yes. So it would be new for y'all too if you haven't read <laughs> that contains all the fairy tales. I highly recommend if you're into history, if you're into spooky stuff, I would recommend reading Grimm Brothers fairy tales. You can find them online. I happened to get this book for, I think, Christmas one year, but I think someone found it even at Costco. I think my parents found it at Costco because they know I love the Grimm Brothers. Like you, you can find these stories anywhere and they're interesting. Like they're, they are very morbid and, um, not suitable for children, I would say, but I highly recommend looking them up and reading them. And then some of them, they might actually have truth to it. Like one of the other fairy tales I liked was the Pied Piper and Mm -hmm. that one, it was like, well, did this actually happen? And they just made the story to go along with what did happen. Because yeah. apparently back in the day, I guess around 1300 AD, like a bunch of kids actually did go missing from a town. And they said that guy, Pied Piper, got revenge because he got rid of all the rats and they didn't pay him properly. And so he came back and took all the children. Yeah. But they're like, well, did they kids like demolish in a natural event, like a, like a landslide or did they die off because of a disease? Like, yeah. like what blood. actually happened to the kids? Yeah. Cause there is truth to the story that was in a church, but then the church eventually burned to the ground, which was unfortunate, but the story <laughs> was in like the stained glass, like windows. And so I'm like, well, there's gotta be some truth to something. Yeah, exactly. So I'm ready. I'm ready to hear some brothers Grimm's stories. Are you? Oh, yes. Do you want to go? Would you like me to go first? I'm good with either. Okay. Well, I can start off with Rapunzel. All right. I'm ready. I'm ready to hear it. Ah, yes. I always wanted Rapunzel's long hair. I know, right? (laughs) I was like, my hair only grows so long and then just kind of stops. (laughs) (laughs) It hits a point. It's like, no more. Yeah. It's like, yeah, well, this looks like a good length and no moss. (laughs) That's funny. Okay. So Rapunzel is actually number 12 in the Grimm's Brothers, like, according to the book. And so, here I go. There once was a man and a woman who had long in vain wished for a child. At the length, the woman hoped that God was about to grant her her desire. These people had a little window at the back of their house from which the splendid garden could be seen, which was full of the most beautiful flowers and herbs. It was, however, surrounded by a high wall, and no one dared to go into it because it belonged to an enchantress named Dame Gothel, who had great power and was dreaded by all the world. One day, a woman was standing by the window and looking down into the garden when she saw a bed which was planted with the most beautiful rumption, or Rapunzel, and it looked like so fresh and green she longed for it and had the greatest desire to eat some. This desire increased every day, and as she knew that she could not get any of it, she quite pinned away and looked pale and miserable. Then her husband was alarmed and asked, What ails you, dear wife? Ah, she replied, If I can get some of the rampion, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, which is in the garden behind her house, I shall die. The man who loved her thought, Sooner than let your wife die, bring her some rampant yourself and let it post <laughs> you what it will. In the twilight of this evening, he climbed down over the wall into the garden of the enchantress, hastily clutched a handful of rampion and took it to his wife. At once made herself a salad of it and ate it with much delight. She, however, liked it so much, so very much, that the very next day she longed for it three times as much as she did before. If he was to have any rest, her husband must once more descend into the garden. In the gloom of the evening, therefore, he let himself down again, but when he had clambered down the wall, he was terribly afraid, for he saw the enchantress standing before him. "'How can you dare?' she said with an angry look." to descend into my garden and steal my rampion like a thief. You shall suffer for it. Ah, he answered, let mercy take the place of justice. I only made up my mind to do it out of necessity. 
my wife saw your rampion and from the window and she felt so strongly longing for it. She would die if she didn't have it. Then the enchantress allowed her anger to be softened and said to him, if the case was, or if the case be as you say, I will allow you to take away with as much as your rampion as you will. I only make one condition. You must give me the child which your wife will bring into the world. It shall be well treated and I will take care of it like a mother. The man in his terror consented to everything. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and when the woman gave birth, the enchantress appeared at once, gave the child the name Rapunzel and took it away with her. Rapunzel grew into the most beautiful child beneath the sun. When she was 12 years old, the enchantress shut her in a tower, which lay in the, which lay in the forest and neither has, had neither stairs nor doors, but quite at the top was a little window. And when the enchantress wanted to go in, she placed herself beneath it and cried, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair to me. Rapunzel had a magnificent long hair, fine as spun gold, and she was heard when the voice of the enchantress she would unfasten her braided tresses I think that's what the word says <laughs> <laughs> uh, around them and when the hooks of the windows above and then she oh and then these sorry I was like then she that makes no sense then there <laughs> fell 20 L's down I'm not sure what L's are uh and the enchantress climbed up it. Oh, so apparently even the enchantress had to climb up her hair. <laughs> That's funny. So after a year or two, it came to pass that the king's son rode through the forest and went by the tower. Then he heard a song which was so charming that he stood still and listened. This was Rapunzel, who in her solitude passed her time in letting her sweet voice sur surround everybody. The king's son wanted to climb up to her. He looked for the door of the tower, but none was to be found. He rode home, but the singing was so deeply touched his heart that every day he went out into the forest and listened to it. Once he was thus standing around a tree, he saw the enchantress come, uh, come by there, and he heard how she cried. Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair. Then Rapunzel let down the braids of her hair, and the enchantress climbed up to her. If that is a ladder by which one mounts, I will at once try my fortune, he said. The next day, when it began to grow dark, he went to the tower and cried, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair. Immediately, the hair fell down, and the king's son climbed up. At first, Rapunzel was terribly frightened when a man, such as her eyes had never seen before, came to her. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> but the king's son began to talk to her quite like a friend and told her that his heart had been so stirred that it had let him have no rest, and he had been forced to see her. Then Rapunzel lost her fear, and she asked her, when he asked her, if she could take him for a husband, and she saw that he was young and handsome, she thought, he will love me more than the old dame Gothel does. She said yes and laid her hand in his. She said, I will willingly go away with you, but I do not know how to get down. Bring with you uh, skin of silk every time that you come, and I will weave a ladder with it. And when it is ready, I will descend, and you will take me on your horse. They agreed that until that time came, he would come to her every evening, for the old woman came by day. The enchantress remarked nothing of this until once Rapunzel said to her, Tell me, Dame Gothel, how it happens that you are so much heavier for me to draw up than the young king's son. He is with me hardly a minute. Ah, you wicked child, cried the enchantress. What do I hear you say? I thought I had separated you from all the world, and yet you deceived me. In anger, she clutched Rapunzel's beautiful tresses and wrapped them up twice around her left hand, seized a pair of scissors with the right, and snip, snip, they were all cut off. The lovely braids lay down on the ground, and she was so pitless that she took poor Rapunzel into the desert where she had lived in a great grief and misery. Oh, 
Well, that's even worse than the fairy tale we know. <laughs> On the same day that she cast out Rapunzel, the enchantress fastened the braids of her hair and she kept onto them, kept onto the hook of the window. And the evening when the king's son came and cried, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair. She let down the hair and the king's son ascended. He did not find his dearest Rapunzel above, but the enchantress who gazed at him was wicked with venomous, venomous looks. Ah, she cried mockingly, you <laughs> would fetch your dearest, but the beautiful bird sits no longer singing in the nest. The cat has got it. We'll, and will scratch out your eyes as well. Rapunzel is lost to you. You will never see her more. The king's son was beside himself with pain and despair. He leapt down from the tower. He escaped with his life, but the thorns into which he fell pierced his eyes. Oh. Jeez. Then he wanders quite blindly about the forest, ate nothing but roots and berries, and did nothing but eliminate and wept over the loss of his dearest wife. Thus he roamed about in misery for some years. At length he came to the desert where Rapunzel, with the twins to which she had given birth, a boy and a girl, lived in uh, wretchedness. He heard a voice. It seemed familiar to him, so he went towards it. And when he approached, Rapunzel knew him and embraced him and wept. Two of her tears wetted into his eyes and they grew clear again. And he could see with them as he did before. He laid, he led her to his kingdom where they where he was joyful and received. And they lived a long time afterwards, happy and content. Oh, that ended well. <laughs> You're like, yay. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's the Rapunzel I've always known. Poor man loses his eyes. Oh, see, I didn't know that. But I didn't know she cast her away to the desert. <laughs> she did. She said, get out of here, Rapunzel. Oh, but I didn't know she had twins, though. Yeah, they got a little, they got a little freaky freaky in that uh, tower there. Yeah, they, they didn't mention that in the book. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't say that in the Disney story, you know. No. No, no, that, no, no. That's funny. All right. So mine is Little Snow White. You ready yeah. for the real story of Snow White? Yes. Yes, I am. Because right. I don't know it. <laughs> Once upon a time, in the middle of winter, when the flakes of snow were falling like feathers from the sky, a queen sat at a window sewing, and the frame of the window was made of black ebony. And while she was sewing and looking out of the window at the snow, she pricked her finger with the needle, and three drops of blood fell upon the snow. And the red looked pretty among the white snow, and she thought to herself, If only I had a child as white as snow, as red as blood, and as black as the wood of the window frame. Soon after that, she had a little daughter who was white as snow, as red as blood, and her hair was black as ebony, and she was therefore called Little Snow White. And when the child was born, the queen died. A year after pass, a year after had passed, the king took another wife. She was a beautiful woman, but proud and haughty, and she could not bear that anyone else should should surpass her in beauty. <laughs> she had a wonderful looking glass, and when she stood in front of it, and looked at herself in it she said looking glass looking glass on the wall who in this land is the fairest of all and the looking glass answered you O queen are the fairest of them all then she was satisfied for she knew that the looking glass spoke the truth but snow white was growing up and grew more and more beautiful and when she was seven years old she was as beautiful as the day and more beautiful than the queen herself. And once when the queen asked her looking glass, looking glass, looking glass on the wall, who in the land is fairest of all? It answered, you are fairer than all who are here, queen lady, or lady queen, queen lady, <laughs> <laughs> lady queen, but more beautiful still is Snow White as I ween. Then the queen was shocked and turned yellow and green with envy. From that time, whenever she looked at Snow White, her heart heaved in her breast and she hated the girl so much. And pride and envy grew higher and higher in her heart like a weed, so that she had no peace day or night. 
she called a hunter and said, take the child away into the forest. I will no longer have her in my sight. Kill her and bring me back her heart as a token. The hunter obeyed and took her away. But when he had drawn his knife and was about to pierce Snow White's innocent heart, she began to weep and said, ah, dear hunter, spare me my life. I will run away into the wild forest and never come home again. And as she was so beautiful, the hunter had pity on her and said, run away then, you poor child. The wild beast will soon devour you, he thought. And yet it seemed as if a stone had been rolled from his heart, since he no longer needed to kill her. And the young boar just then came running by, he stabbed it and cut out its heart and took it to the queen as proof the child was dead. The cook had to salt this and the wicked queen ate it, but thought it she had eaten the heart of Snow White. But now the poor child was all alone in the great forest and so terrified that she looked at every leaf of every tree and did not know what to do. Then she began to run and ran over sharp stones and through thorns, and the wild beast pa ran past her but did her no harm. She ran as far as her feet could go until almost evening, then she saw a little cottage and went into it, it to rest. Everything in the cottage was small, but neater and cleaner than you can imagine. There was a table on which which was a white cover and seven little plates, and on each plate a little spoon. Moreover, there were seven little knives and forks and seven little mugs. Against the wall stood seven little beds side by side and covered with Snow White bedsheets. Little Snow White was so hungry and thirsty that she ate some vegetables and bread from each plate and drank a drop of wine out of each mug, for she did not wish to take all from only one. Then, as she was so tired, she laid herself down on each of the little beds, but none of them suited her. One was too long, another was too short, and at last she found that the seventh one was right. And so she remained in it, said a prayer, and went to sleep. When it was quite dark, the owner of the cottage came back, and there were seven dwarves who dug and delved in the mountains for ore. They lit their seven candles, and now that the cottage was lit, they saw someone had been there, for everything was not in the same order for which they had left it. The first said, Who had been sitting in my chair? The second, Who had been eating off my plate? The third, Who had been taking some of my bread? The fourth, who had been eating my vegetables. The fifth, who had been using my fork. The sixth, who had been cutting with my knife. The seventh, who had been drinking out of my mug. And when the first looked round and saw that there was a little hole in his bed, he said, who has been getting into my bed? The others came up and called out, somebody has been lying in my bed too. But the seventh, when he looked at his bed, saw little Snow White, who was lying asleep in it. And he called the others who came running up and cried out with astonishment and brought their seven little candles and let the light fall on little Snow White. Oh, heavens, oh, heavens, cried they. What a lovely child. And they were so glad they did not wake her up, but let her sleep in the bed. And the seventh dwarf slept with his companions one hour with each, so he got through the night. When it was morning, little Snow White awoke and was frightened when she saw seven dwarves. But they were friendly and asked her what her name was. My name is Snow White, she answered. How have you come to our house, said the dwarves. Then she told them that her stepmother had wished to have killed her, but the hunter that spared her life, and that she had run for the whole day until at last she had found their dwelling. The dwarf said, if you would take care of our house, house cook make the beds wash sew and knit and if you will keep everything neat and clean you can stay with us and shall want for nothing yes said snow white with all my heart <laughs> and then she, she stayed with them she kept the house in order for them in the mornings they went back to the mountains and looked for copper and gold in the evenings they came back with their supper to be had to be ready the girl was alone the whole day, so the good dwarves warned her and said, Beware of your stepmother. She will soon know that you are here. Be sure to let no one come in. But the queen believed that she had eaten Snow White's heart and was certain that she again, the first and most beautiful of all, she went to her looking glass and said, Looking glass, looking glass on the wall, who in the land is fairest of them all? And this tattling glass answered. Just kidding. <laughs> The glass said, O oh, queen, you are the fairest of all I see, but over the hills where the seven dwarves dwell, Snow White is still alive and well, and none is so fair as she. Then she was astounded, for she knew that the looking glass never spoke falsely. She knew the hunter had betrayed her and that the little Snow White was still alive. And so she thought and thought again of how she might kill her, for so long as she's not the fairest in the whole land, envy let her have no rest. 
and when she had a last thought of something to do, she painted her face and dressed herself like an old peddler, and no one could have known her. In this disguise, she went over to the seven mountains, to the seven dwarves, and knocked on the door and cried, Pretty things to sell, very cheap, very cheap. Little Snow White looked out the window and called, Good day, my good woman. What do you have to sell? Pretty things, good things, she answered. Laces of all colors, and she pulled out which one was woven of bright colored silk. May I let the worthy old woman in, thought Snow White, and she unbolted the door and brought the pretty la- and bought the pretty laces. Child, said the old woman, what a fright you look. Come, I will lace you properly for once. Snow White had no suspicion, but stood before her and let her be laced with the new laces. But the old woman laced so quickly and so tightly that Snow White lost her breath and fell down as if dead. Now I am the most beautiful, said the queen to herself, and ran away. Not long afterward, in the evening, the seven dwarves came home, but were shocked that they saw their little, their dear little Snow White laying on the ground, and that she neither stirred nor moved and seemed to be dead. They lift her up, and they, as they saw that she was laced too tightly, they cut the laces, and she began to breathe a little. After a little while, she came back to life again. When the dwarves heard what had happened, the old peddler was none other than the wicked queen. Take care and let no one come in when we are not with you. But the wicked woman, when she had reached home, went in front of the glass and asked, Looking glass, looking glass on the wall, who in this land is fairest of them all? And it answered as before, O queen, you are the fairest of all I see. But over the hills where the seven dwarves dwell, Snow White is still alive and well, and none is so fair as she. When she heard that, all the blood rushed to her heart with fear, for she saw plainly that little Snow White was alive again. But now, she said, I will think of something that shall put an end to you, and by help of witchcraft, which she understood, she made a poisonous comb. Then she disguised herself and took the shape of another old woman. So she went over the seven mornings to the seven dwarves, knocked at the door, and cried, Good things to sell, cheap, cheap. Little Snow White looked out and said, Go away, I cannot let anyone come in. I suppose you can look, said the old woman, and pulled out the poisonous comb and held it up. It pleased a girl so well that she began to be fooled and opened the door. When they had struck a bargain, the old woman said, Now I will comb you properly for once. Poor little Snow White had no suspicion and let the old woman do as she pleased. But hardly had she put the comb in her hair than the poison in it took effect, and then the girl fell down senseless. You paragon of beauty, said the wicked woman, you are done for good, as she went away. But fortunately, it was almost evening, and the seven dwarves came home. When they saw Snow White lying as if dead upon the ground, they at once suspected the stepmother, and they looked and found the poison comb. Scarcely they had taken it out when Snow White came to, and told them what had happened. They then warned her once more to be upon her guard, and to open the door to no one. The front of the glass, and said, looking glass, looking glass on the wall, who in this land is fairest of all? And then it answered as before, O queen, you are fairest of all I see, but over the hills where the seven dwarves dwell, Snow White is still alive and well, and none is so fair as she. So when she heard the glass speak, she trembled and shook with rage. Snow White shall die, she cried, even if it costs me my life. With that, she went into a quiet, secret, lonely room where no one ever came, and there she made a poisonous apple. Outside, it looked pretty white with a red cheek so that everyone who saw it longed for it, but whoever ate a piece of it must surely die. When the apple was ready, she painted her face, dressed herself up as a country woman, and so she went over to the seven mountains, to the seven dwarves, she knocked on the door. Snow White put her head out of the window and said, I cannot let anyone in, the seven dwarves have forbidden me. It is all the same to me, answered the woman, I shall soon get rid of my apples, here, I will give you one. No, said Snow White, I dare not take anything. Are you afraid of poison, said the old woman. Look, I will cut the apple in two pieces. You eat the red cheek, I'll eat the white. The apple was so cunningly made that only the red cheek was poisoned. Snow White longed for the fine apple, and when she saw the woman ate part of it, she could resist no longer. She stretched out her hand and took the poisonous half, but hardly had she taken a bite and fell down dead. The queen looked at her with a dreadful look and laughed aloud and said, White as snow, red as blood, black as ebony wood. The time the dwarves, this time the dwarves cannot wake you up again. And when she looked at the looking glass at home, looking glass, looking glass on the wall, who in the land is fairest of them all? It answered at last, O queen, in this land you are the fairest of all. Then her envious heart had rest, so far as an envious heart can rest. 
The dwarves, when they came home in the evening, found Snow White lying upon the ground. She breathed no longer and was dead. They lifted her up, looked to see if they could find anything poisonous, unlaced her, combed her hair, washed her with water and wine, but it was all of no use. The poor child was dead and remained dead. They laid her upon a bier, and all seven of them sat around it and wept for her and wept for three days long. When they were going to bury her, but she looked as if she was still alive and still had her pretty red cheeks. They said, we cannot bury her in a dark ground. They had a transparent coffin of glass made so that she could be seen from all sides. When they laid her in it, and in a golden letters wrote upon it in her name, that part was confusing, and she, in that she was a king's daughter. Then they put a coffin out upon the mountain, always stayed by it and watched it. The birds came too and wept for Snow White. First an owl, then a raven, and a last dove. And now Snow White lay long, long time in the coffin, and she did not change, but looked where she was as white as snow, as red as blood, and her hair was black as ebony. It happened, however, that a king's son came into the forest and went to the dwarf's house to spend the night. He saw the coffin on the mountaintop and the beautiful Snow White inside and read what was written upon it in gold letters. Then he said to the dwarves, let me have the coffin. I will give you whatever you want for it. The dwarves answered, we will not part with it for all the gold in the world. Then he said, let me have it as a gift, for I cannot live without seeing Snow White. I will honor and prize her as my dearest possession. As he spoke in this way, the good dwarves took pity upon him and gave him the coffin. Now, and now carried away by his servants on their shoulders, and it happened that they stumbled over a tree stump. With the shock of the poisonous piece of apple and Snow White had bitten off came out of her throat. And long before she opened her eyes, lifted up the lid of the coffin, sat up, and was once more alive. Oh, heavens, where am I? She cried. The king's son, full of joy, said, you are with me, and told her what had happened, and said, I love you more than anything in the world. Come with me to my father's palace, and you shall be my wife. And Snow White was willing, and went with him, and their wedding was held in a great show and splendor. But Snow White's wicked stepmother was also invited to the feast. When she had dressed herself in beautiful clothes, she went before the looking glass and said, Looking glass, looking glass on the wall, who in land is fairest of them all? The glass answered, O queen, of all here the fairest is you, but the young queen is fairer by far, and it is true. Then the wicked woman uttered a curse, and was so miserable, so utterly miserable, that she had not known what to do. At first she would not go to the wedding at all, but she had no peace. She must go see the young queen. And when she went in, she knew Snow White. And she stood still with rage and fear and could not stir. But iron slippers had already been put on the fire and they were brought in with tongs and set before her. Then was forced. Then she was forced to put on the red hot shoes and dance until she dropped down dead. Oh. It was long. That one was a long one. But it's you can definitely see where Disney pulled some from their story. Wait, so was the queen that put on the hot shoes or Snow White? It was the queen. It was the queen okay. that put on. They, the Snow White knew that the queen was going to come for her. So they had the shoes prepared. Oh, okay. And she was forced to put them on. And, uh, yeah, dance until she died in the hot shoes. Basically melted her feet off. Yeah, so Snow White got married at, like, the age of seven. Because, uh, being dead... <laughs> yeah so she yeah that's why i was like okay so she was seven maybe i don't know you know back then i'm hoping she was just a little bit older than seven but that's kind of the age they left us off on as well yeah like a grown-ass woman being like my favorite (laughs) is she awoke and the prince is like I love you more than anything in this world. I'm like, well, you have not even had a conversation with her. Yeah, like you fell in love with a dead chick. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like she's just laying there and he's like, hey, beautiful. Like you gonna be my wife. Like, I don't know what he wanted with her dead body. Like just to stare at it all day. Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, that is. I'm talking about this. say mirror, mirror on the wall. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Yeah. It's so Disney, Disney definitely, you can definitely tell where Disney took parts of it and made their story. Yeah, because I was like, yeah, that's not what it says. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <clears throat> Are you, uh, 
ready to read your lesser known. Yes. <laughs> and it is called The Two Kings Children. All right. I'm ready. I haven't heard this one either. Okay. So, there once there was once on a time a king who had a little boy of whom it had been foretold that he should be killed by a stag when he was 16 years of age. And when he had reached that age, the hunters once went hunting with him. In the forest, the king's son was separated from the others. And all at once he saw a great stag, which he wanted to shoot, but he could not hit. At length he chased the stag so far that they were quite out of the forest. And then suddenly a great tall man was standing there instead of the stag. And it said, it is well that I have you. I have already ruined the six pairs of glass gates with running after you. And you have not been able to get and have not been able to get you. Then he took the king's son with him and dragged him through a great lake into a great palace. And then he had to sit down to table with him and eat something. When they had eaten something together, the king said, I have three daughters. You must keep watch over the eldest for one night from nine in the evening till six in the morning. And every time the clock strikes, I will come myself and call and then you then give me no answer. Tomorrow morning you shall be put to death. But if you always give me an answer, you shall have her as a wife. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> when the young folks went to the bedroom, there stood stone image of St. Christopher. The king's daughter said to it, My father will come at nine o'clock and every hour till it strikes three. When he calls, give him an answer instead of the king's son. Then the stone of uh, then the stone image of Christopher nodded its head quite quickly and then more and more slowly till the last it stood still. The next morning, the king said to him, you have done the business well, but I cannot give away my daughter. You must now uh, watch my, okay, where'd it go? You must now watch night by night for my second daughter. And then I will consider with myself whether you can have my eldest daughter to wed. But I shall come every hour myself, and when I call for you, you answer me. And if I call for you and you do not answer or do not reply, your blood shall flow. And then they both went into the bedroom. And there stood, sorry, like I got something in my eyes, so my eyes watering, so I'm like, good. Oh, okay. <laughs> It's like, okay, that feels better. Okay, so they both went into the bedroom, and there there stood a larger stone image of St. Christopher. The king's daughter said to it, if my father calls, do not answer him. Then the great stone image of St. Christopher again nodded his head quite quickly, and then more and more slowly until the last it stood still again. And the king's son lay down on the threshold and put his hand under his head and slept. The next morning, the king said to him, you have done the business really well, but I cannot give you my daughter away. You must now watch a night by the youngest princess. And then I will consider with myself whether you can have my second daughter to wife. But I shall come every hour myself. And when I call, you answer me. And if I call you do not answer blood shall flow for me then once more went to the bedroom together and then there was a much greater much taller image of saint christopher than the first two the king's daughter said to it when my father calls do answer and then the great tall stone image of saint christopher nodded quiet half in half it as uh half hour with its head until the length of his head stood still again and the king's son laid himself down on the threshold of the door and slept. The next morning, the king said, You have indeed watched well, but I cannot give you my daughter now. I have a great forest. You can cut it down for me between six o'clock this morning and six at night. I will think about it. And then he gave him a glass axe, a glass wedge, and a glass mullet. 
And when he got into the woods, he began at once to cut. But the axe broke in two, and then he took to the wedge and struck it once with the mallet, and it became as short as a small sand. Then as much troubled and believed he would have to die, he sat down and wept. Now when it was noon, the king said, One of you girls must take him something to eat. No, said the two eldest. We will not take it to him. And the one whom he last watched can take it, can take him something to eat. The youngest was forced to go and take him something to eat. And when she got into the forest, she asked him, how was he getting it on? He goes, oh, well, I am getting on very badly. Then she said he was to come and eat just a little. Nay, he said, I cannot do that. I shall have to die, so I will eat no more. Then she spoke so kindly to him and begged him just to try, and he came and ate something. When he had eaten something, he said, I will comb your hair for a while, and then you will feel happier. So she combed his hair, and he became weary and fell asleep. And then she took her handkerchief and made it into a knot and struck it three times on the earth and said, Earth workers, come forth. In a moment, numbers of little earthmen came forth. <laughs> and asked what the king's daughter commanded then she said in three hours time the great forest must be cut down and the hole in the wood laid in heaps so the little earth men went went about and got together the whole of their kinder and helped them cut down the forest they began at once and when the three hours were over it was all done and they came back to the king's daughter and told her so then she took her white handkerchief again and said to the earth workers go home this is the day they all disappeared when the king's son had awoke he was delighted and she said come home when it has struck six o'clock he did as she told him and the king asked have you made away with the forest yes he said to the king and when they were sitting at the table the king said i cannot yet give you my daughter to marry <laughs> <laughs> you must still do something more for mary so he asked what was to be done. He goes, I have a great fish pond, the king said. You must go to it tomorrow morning and clear it of all the mud and make it bright as a mirror and fill it with every kind of fish. The next morning, like that's realistic. Right. <laughs> the next morning, the king gave him a glass shovel and said, the fish pond must be done by six o'clock. So he went away, and when he came to the fish pond, he struck it with the shovel, and in the mud it broke in two. Then he stuck the hoe in the mud, and it broke also. Then he was in much troubled yet again. At noon, the youngest daughter brought him something to eat, and he asked him, how was he getting on? And so the king's son said, everything was going very ill with him, and he would certainly have to lose his head. My tools have broken into pieces yet again. Oh, she said, you must just come and eat something and then we'll get another frame of mind. No, he said, I cannot eat. I am far too unhappy for that. Then she gave him many good words until at last he came and ate something. Then she come through his hair again and yet he fell asleep. So <laughs> once more she took her handkerchief and tied it in a knot and struck the ground thrice with the knot and said, earth workers come forth in a moment. A great many little earthmen came and asked what she desired, and she told them that in three hours' time they must have the fish pond entirely cleaned out. It must look so clear that you could see themselves in it, and every fish must be uh, brought into the pond. The little earthmen went away and summoned all their kinder help to. In two hours' time, it was all done. Then they returned to her and said, We have done as you commanded. The king's daughter took her handkerchief once more and struck thrice on the ground with it and said, earth workers, go home. Then they all went away. When the king's son woke, the fish pond was done and the king's daughter went away also and told him that when it was six o'clock to come back to the palace. When he arrived at the house, the king asked, have you got the fish pond, on, uh, the fish pond done? Yes, said the king's son. That was very good. When they were again sitting at the table, King said, You have certainly done the fish pond, but I cannot give you my daughter away yet again. <laughs> you have to do one more thing. What is that then? The king's son asked. The king said, 
a great mountain on which there is nothing but bears, uh, which must all be cut down. At the top of the youth must build up a great castle, which must be as strong as it could be conceived. And all the furniture and fittings belonging to the castle must be inside. And when he arose the next morning, the king gave him a glass axe, a glass hamlet <laughs> with him. And it was all to be done by six o'clock because that is realistic. Right. <laughs> As he was cutting down the first bear with the axe, it broke sh- off short. And that was so small, the pieces flew all around. He could not use that gamlet either. Then he was quite miserable and waited for his dearest to see if she would not come to help him in his need. When it was midday, she came and brought him something to eat. He went to meet her and told her and ate something, and he let her come through his hair, and he fell asleep. Then she once more took the knot and struck the earth with it. Earth workers come forth. Then once again, the numbers of the earthmen asked her what was desired. She said, in the space of three hours, they must cut down the whole bears, and a castle must be built on top of the mountain that must be strong as anyone can conceive. And all the furniture that pertains to the castle must be inside. They went away and they summoned their kindred to help them. And when the time came, all was ready. Then they came to the king's daughter and told her so. And the king's daughter took her handkerchief and she struck the thrice on the earth once more and said, earth workers go home. And which they all disappeared. And therefore the king's son awoke and everything he saw was done. And he was happy as a bird in the air. And when it had struck six, they went home together and the king said, is the castle ready? Yes, said the king's son. And when they sat down to the table, the king said, I cannot give away my youngest daughter until the two eldest are married. (laughs) The king's son and the king's daughter were quite troubled and the king's son had no idea what to do. He went by night to the king's daughter and ran away with her. When they had gotten a little distance away, the king's daughter prepped round and saw her father behind her. Oh, she said, what are we going to do? My father is behind us and he will take us back with him. I will at once change you into a bear and myself into a rose and will shelter myself in the middle of the bush. When the father reached the place where there stood the bear, with one rose then he was about to gather the rose and then the thorn came and pricked his finger so that he was forced to go home again because you know that that'll make me go home right (laughs) his wife asked why he had not brought their daughter back with them he said he had nearly got up to her and but all that at once he had lost sight of her and the bear with one rose was growing on one spot The queen said, if you had but gathered the rose, the bear would have been forced to come too. So he went back again to fetch the rose. But in the meantime, the two were already far over the plain and the king ran far after them. Then the daughter once more looked around and saw her father coming and said, oh, what shall we do now? I will instantly change you into a church and myself into a priest. (laughs) And now I will stand up in the pulpit and preach. When the king got into the place and stood in the church and the pulpit was a priest preach or priest preaching. (laughs) (laughs) That's a tongue twister. So he listened to the sermon and went home again. The queen asked, why had you not brought their daughter home with him? He said, nay, I ran long after her. And just as I thought I should soon take over her, a church was standing there and a priest was in the pulpit preaching. You should have brought the priest said the wife and then the church would have soon have come with her it is no use to send you i must go there myself when she had walked for some time she could see the two in the distance the king's daughter prepped around and saw her mother coming and said now we are undone my mother is coming herself i will immediately change you into a fish pond and myself into a fish When the mother came to the place, there was a large fish pond in the middle of it. A fish was leaping about and peeping out of the water, and it was quite merry. She wanted to catch the fish, but she could not. And then she was very angry and drank up the whole pond in order to catch the fish. But it made her so ill that she was forced to vomit. 
and vomited the whole pond out again. <laughs> then she cried. I will see very well that nothing can be done now and asked them now to come back to her. Then the king's daughter went back again and the queen gave her her daughter three walnuts and said, with these, you can help yourself when you are in the greatest need. So the young folks went away together once more. And when they had walked quite 10 miles, they arrived at a castle from whence the king's son came and close, and close by it was a village. And when they reached it, the king's son said, stay here, my dearest. I will go into the castle and then I will come with a carriage and I can attend your fetching. I can, my attendants with, will come out to fetch you. When he got to the castle, they all rejoiced gracefully, having the king's son back again. He told them he led a bride who was now in the village, and they must go with a carriage to fetch her. Then they harnessed the horses once again, and many attendants seated themselves outside the carriage. When the king's son was about to get in, his mother gave him a kiss and forgot everything which had happened. Also, what was about to do is... At this, mother ordered the horses to be taken out of the carriage once again, and everyone went back into the house. But the maiden sat in the village and watched and watched and thought that he would come to fetch her. But no one came. The king's daughter looked, uh, took service in the mill, which belonged to the castle, and was obliged to sit by the pond every afternoon and clean the tubs. And the queen came one day on foot to the castle, and went walking by the pond and saw the well-grown maiden sitting there and said, What a fine, strong girl that is. She was pleased. Uh, she pleases me well. And then she, and with all her, looked at the maid, but no one knew her. So a long time passed by during which the maiden served the miller honorably and faithfully. In the meantime, the queen had sought a wife for her son, who came quite a distance apart from the world. When the bride came, they were at once to be married, and many people hurried together, all of whom wanted to see everything. Then the girl said to the miller that he might be so good as to give her leave, as leave to go also. So the miller said, yes, do go there. Then she was about to go. She opened up one of the three walnuts, and the beautiful dress lay inside. She put it on, and she went into the church and stood by the altar. Suddenly came the bride and the bride or the bridegroom and seated themselves before the altar and when the priest was just a was just going to bless them the bride peeped half around and saw the maiden standing there then she stood up again and she said she would not be given away until she also had a beautiful dress that the lady there had that the lady there is wearing so they went back into the house again and sent to ask the lady if she would sell the dress. No, she would not sell it, but the bride might perhaps earn it. The bride asked her how was she to do this. The maiden said that if she might sleep one night outside the king's son's door, the bride might have what she wanted. So the bride said, yes, she was willing to do that, but the servants were ordered to give the king's son a sleeping potion. And then the maiden laid herself down on the threshold and laminate, or laminated it all night long. She had had for the forest cut down for him. She had the fish pond cleaned out for him and she had had the castle built for him. She had changed him into a bar and then into a church and then into a fish pond. And yet he had forgotten her so quickly. The king's son did not hear one word of it and the servants had been awakened and listened to it. And had not known what all this could mean. The next morning, when they were all up, and the bride put on the dress and went away to the church with the bridegroom. In the meantime, the maiden opened up the second walnut, and still a more beautiful dress was inside it. She put it on and went and stood by the altar in the church. And then everything happened as it happened the time before. The maiden's night lay there all night again in the threshold, which led to the chamber of the king's son. And the servant was once more to give him a sleeping potion. The servant, however, went to him and gave him something to keep him awake. And the king's son went to bed. The miller's maiden uh, bemoaned 
herself as before the threshold of the door and told uh, of all that she had done. All this the king's son heard was sore and troubled that was past came back to him. Then he wanted to go to her, but his mother had locked the door. The next morning, however, he went once to his beloved and told her everything which had happened to him and prayed her not to be angry, for he had forgotten her. Then the king's daughter opened the third walnut, and within it was still a more magnificent dress, which she put on and went with her bridegroom to the church. The numbers of the children who came to give flowers and offered gay ribbons to bind them with their feet, and they were blessed by the priest, and they were married happily. And But the false mother and the bride she had chosen had departed, and the mouth of the person who had lost... Wait, what does the last line say? And the mouth of the person who last told all is still warm. I don't get the last line, but that's the end of the story. That's a very... um Jeez. Good grief. That one was an interesting... You picked an interesting story. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have no words. I have... I have no... I have no words. Like, at, at some point, the dude should have been like, you know what? This is not worth it. This is absolutely yeah. not worth it. I've been like, uh, I'm going home. Yeah. I, and I, I love how the, the princess just stayed. It was like, yeah, I'm just going to work. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've been like, forget that. I'm going back mm-hmm. home. Whew. Yeah. I want right. those little earth workers. That's what I want. Right? That'd be nice, man. Come like clean my apartment. That'd be great. They got all that shit done in three hours. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. So I have our last story. It's only two pages long. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my apparently was like long. <laughs> so I picked the seven ravens. And oh, it goes a- There was once a man who had seven sons and still had no daughter. However, he much wished for one. At length, his wife again gave him hope of a child, and when it came to the world, it was a girl. The joy was great, but the child was sickly and small and had to be privately baptized on account of its weakness. The father sent one of the boys in haste to the spring to fetch water for the baptism. The other six went with him, and as each of them wanted to be first to fill it, the jug fell into the well. There they stood and did not know what to do, and none of them dared to go home. As they did not return, the father grew impatient and said, they have certainly forgotten it for some game, the wicked boys. He became afraid that the girl would have to die without being baptized, and in his anger cried, I wish the boys were all turned into ravens. Hardly was the word spoken before he heard a whirring of of wings over his head in the air, looked up and saw seven coal black ravens flying away. The parents could not recall the curse, and however sad they were at the loss of their seven sons, they still to some extent, comfort themselves with their dear little daughter, who soon grew strong and every day became more beautiful. For a long time, she did not know she had brothers, for her parents were careful not to mention them before her. But one day, she accidentally heard some people saying of herself that the girl was certainly beautiful, but in reality, she was to blame for the misfortune which had befallen her seven brothers. Then she was much troubled and went to her father and mother and asked them if it was true that she had brothers and what had become of them. The parents now dared to keep the secret no longer, but said that what had befallen her brothers was the will of heaven and that her birth was not to blame. But the maiden took it to heart dearly and thought she must save her brothers. She had no rest or peace until she set out secretly and went forth into the wide world to find her brother and set them free. Let it cost what it might. She took nothing with her but a little ring belonging to her parents as a keepsake, a loaf of bread against hunger, and a little pitcher of water against thirst, and a little chair as a provision against weariness. And now she continually onward far, far away to the very end of the world, when she came to the sun, but it was too hot and terrible, and devoured little children. Hastily she ran away and ran to the moon. But it was far too cold and awful and malicious. And when it saw the child, it said, I smell, I smell the flesh of men. 
At this she ran swiftly away and came to the stars, which were kind and good to her, and each of them sat on its own particular little chair. But the morning star arose and gave her the drumstick of a chicken, and said, If you have not that drumstick, you cannot open the glass mountain, and in the glass mountain are your brothers. The maiden took the drumstick, wrapped it carefully in a cloth, and went onward again until she came to the glass mountain. The door was shut, and she thought she would take out the drumstick but when she undid the cloth it was empty she had lost the good star's present what was she now to do with she wished to rescue her brothers and had no key to the glass mountain the good sister took a knife cut off one of her little fingers put it in the door and succeeded in opening it when she had gone inside a little dwarf came to meet her who said my child what are you looking for I am looking for my brothers, the seven ravens, she replied. The dwarf said, the Lord ravens are not at home, but if you will wait until they come, step in. Thereupon the little dwarf carried the raven's dinner in on seven little plates and seven little glasses and took the little sister, ate a morsel from each plate and a little from each glass she took a sip. But in the last little glass, she dropped the ring, which she had brought away with her. Suddenly, she heard a whirring of wings and a rushing through the air, and the little dwarf said, Now the Lord Ravens are flying home. When they came, they wanted to eat and drink, and looked for their little plates and glasses, then said, one after the other, Who has eaten something from my plate? Who has drunk out of my little glass? It was a human mouth. And when the seventh came to the bottom of the glass, the ring rolled against his mouth. He looked at it and saw that it was a ring belonging to his father and mother, and said, God grant that our sister may be here. And then we shall be free. When the maiden who was standing behind the door watching heard the wish, she came forth. And at this, the ravens were restored to their human form again. They all embraced and kissed each other and went joyfully home. That's it. That was an interesting one. That. Yeah. So morbid that she cut off her finger. <laughs> so she sacrificed part of herself, I guess, to turn. I don't know. I don't know what the moral moral of that story was. Um, I really don't know. But yeah, those were the some of the Grimm brothers stories. Oh yeah, like <laughs> there's more to Snow White than I knew about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're definitely very interesting. Like I said earlier, I highly recommend if that's something that interests you. Look them up online, read them. You know. They're they're very very interesting stories. Oh yeah, like like the second one I read, I'm like, dang, that one was like, I don't even know who was on crack when they wrote that one, but yeah, I was like, yeah, let's do some manipulation. You can have my daughter if you do this for me, right? Like I I yeah yeah yeah. You're like. (laughs) Well, I don't know if I want to give you my daughter, so how about you build me a castle? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You, you should build me a castle. I'm telling you, I don't have the patience. Maybe that's the moral of the story. Just be patient and what you want will come to you. But I have no <laughs> patience. So, yeah, there's that. And a lot of magic. You, you should have a lot of magic, too. Yeah, magic, too. Magic little men. Magic men, <laughs> magic walnuts. Magic ravens. Why is everyone so beautiful? It's like it's the most beautiful and fairest of them all. I'm like, do they not have any? Do ugly people not have any good luck? They're like the sister grew up and was very ugly, and no one liked her. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> why is everyone like? Oh, she was the prettiest of them all. Like, I'm like, dang. <laughs> Back in the days, you know, the common folks who were hearing these stories could dream like, oh that could be me one day I could be be you know what I mean like they didn't want to hear stories about themselves they wanted to hear stories about kings and queens and princesses and beautiful fair maidens you know so I think that's why it was kind of their escape from reality like how we have our books nowadays that was kind of their escape from reality to dream about yeah that makes perfect sense that's just what I think that's my personal opinion I mean, they had great stories down back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. That's the truth. Yeah, because all these stories were written a long ass time ago. Right. Well, Ooh. well, they weren't written; they were just orally told. Yeah, yeah. The brothers Grimm's took took them and then written them down. But yeah, I hope y'all like the stories. 
that we've picked to tell you guys. This was the longest. I think this is our longest podcast so far. (laughs) (laughs) So, what'd you say? Might just be a hair longer than normal. Right. (laughs) So, if you like our podcast, uh, feel free to follow us, download, give us a ratings. If you want to send us your spooky stories, you can send them to wineandchills with an S at gmail.com. And you want to say our uh, social media? Oh, yeah. If you want to check us out, I promise we'll be doing better at it. But we have a TikTok that's Wine and Chills Paranormal. And then we have our Instagram, which is also Wine and Chills Paranormal. And yeah, come interact with us. We love to hear from y'all. Yeah, send us your stories. Let us know what you want. If there's specific episodes you want from us, we will happily do them. Um, but yeah, so until next time, stay spooky, our friends. Yes, and fall season is finally here. Yes, we are so excited. Yes. All right. Bye. Bye.